Paul opens up his epistle, his letter to the Ephesians with these words. In Galatians 1, 3. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our series this week, uh, we've been finishing up this series called Freedom's Call. This is our sixth week. And, and in this series, we've been circling around the two verses in Galatians chapter 5 that has kind of formed the heart of this whole series. Uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. As I've reflected on Galatians and what we've talked about in these weeks, I've come to see the whole thing is really about two things. Uh, first of all, the, the gospel. Uh, the gospel which sets us free, free from confusion and free from the past. And it's something that as a regular here, we know here. But the question is, is do we know it here? Do we know it here in our hearts and does it translate into our lives? And the other thing is how to live according to it. Because the gospel, it changes everything. It under change, changes how we are to understand what we are to do. It changes how we are to understand who we are. And that gospel calls us to life, uh, to a relationship with a loving father. And last week we learned that in service we are actually freed from ourselves. As it frees us from trying to earn our salvation on our own, either by falling into lawlessness or legalism, by breaking all the rules or keeping all the rules. As we've talked about freedom and freedom in the gospel and how we live by it, it kind of makes this reading a little bit challenging. As we talk about today's freedom's call to all people. Here we come to the end of the text and, and Paul is kind of wrapping up his letter to the Galatians, kind of tying up some loose ends, kind of pulling in the leftovers and kind of saying, okay, this is what I've been talking about the whole time. And he's kind of bringing it all together. So from Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Brothers and sisters... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. And if this is your first time here, you're kind of joining us uh, because of VBS, this is kind of, this last verse is what you expected to hear. And some of you are going, okay, I knew it. I knew it all along. It's all this talk of freedom. It's really all about following the rules. That's what Paul just said there. And if that's what Paul's saying there, then he's contradicted everything that he's said for the past five chapters. 
Because we've been talking and we've been looking at Christianity and who Jesus is and what he does, and we've seen that it's a religion not of do, but of done. We've seen that it is a, a religion, and not like the others where it says, do the right thing or you're going to get punished. Rather, it says that Jesus has been judged for you. And so now you're free. Or as Paul would say it, Christ has been crucified for you, and so now you live a life in Christ. So the question is, what is Paul saying to us here? How is he trying to help us understand freedom and how we can once again get caught up into slavery and lose that freedom that Christ won for us? What he's talking about here is how the natural world works. Uh, this year I planted a garden and had some weird things in my garden last year. So this was kind of a year where I was going to try and plant some things that would help the soil along. So I planted marigolds and mustard greens. After I planted those things and let them get started, all of a sudden I had other things growing. And I couldn't tell if they were weeds or not at first because you know how it is with plants. They kind of poke up and they're just these two little leaves and you have no idea what they are. After a little while I said, you know what? I think those might be tomato plants. I wasn't planning on it. I didn't plant any tomato plants, or at least I didn't think I did. And I said, you know, I'll get some baskets and let them grow and just see what happens. And now I've got some tomatoes growing, and it's very kind of a cool thing. But it's not something that happened all of a sudden. It's something that started out with a little seed and grew little by little over time. And what happened was, I didn't plant the seeds, but in the soil and the compost that I threw in, there were some seeds there. See, that's kind of the thing that happens sometimes in our lives. We're trying to do one thing, and along the way, we plant something else. Something else that we may not attend to plant, and we may not notice it at first. But in time, it comes up. That's what happens in the natural world. Whatever you put in the ground is what will eventually grow. In my life, one of the little natural laws of my world is that in the morning, Bree gets up about 5 o'clock, 5.15, and uh, she wants to watch Rocket Ship. Anybody else know what I'm talking about when I say Rocket Ship? There are a couple people, good. Little Einsteins. And I know that, that when she starts clapping, I've got about 15 seconds to make it to her or she's going to yell, blast off, and wake up the entire household. Natural law. It's just the way it works because she watches the show and she loves it. Same thing happens in the spiritual world. There's sort of laws about the way that things work. Sometimes we look at God and we think God makes these rules and these laws because he wants to make life hard for us and difficult for us. And he says, if you're going to make it into my kingdom, if you're really going to be one of mine, I'm going to make it hard for you because you've got to earn it. In our household, we have some of those rules as well. One of those rules is Bree needs to be out of the kitchen when we're cooking because Bree takes after me. And as she's dancing around the kitchen, she commonly, oftenly has out-of-body experiences. And so we're afraid of her dancing her way into the oven or into a hot pot. And we don't want that to happen to her because we care about her. And see, God has some of these rules for us as well. 
You know, one of the hardest ones is that when God says to his people, you must forgive. And I don't know about you guys, but forgiveness is kind of hard, right? Especially when the same person keeps on doing the same thing over and over again, right? Disciples ask Jesus that question. How many times must we forgive somebody? And Jesus' response, not seven times, which they were thinking was a lot, but 77 times seven. Is he just trying to make our lives hard, or is there something more to that? You see, what I've noticed about my life is that um, when I don't forgive, it feels good at first, right? Somebody does you wrong, and it feels good to be a little bit angry, right? It's good to go talk to somebody and say, did you hear what so-and-so did to me? Oh, I'm so mad. But then what happens? Over time, that turns into bitterness, and that bitterness, that bitterness that we're sowing in our hearts, in our lives, ultimately reaps horrible loneliness. Because that unforgiveness in our heart poisons our heart and separates from us from people in our lives. Uh, family and friends, people that we go to church with, the people that live across the street. And it slowly erodes and dissolves our world around us, and our hearts. Another one of those natural laws, one of those ones that uh, you expect me to talk about as a preacher, is God tells us that we need to take a Sabbath. We need to take a day off. And that's something that's for our good. And it's for our good because has anybody had a time in their life where they worked like nonstop? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> VBS people are all raising their hands. It was a crazy couple of weeks. Um, and what happens when you do that? I can remember a distinct time when I was in college and I was waiting tables and, and I remember on a Sunday waiting tables and thinking, I just want to fall over so I can lay down. That happens to us spiritually and physically and relationally. We need to take a break, otherwise our bodies and our lives and our hearts break down. More than that... I don't know, has anybody else found that at times work can feel a little bit meaningless? A little bit like toil. You work at something, you work at something. And as much as you try and do it, the weeds in my front yard are a perfect example of this. I pull them up and they come back. Nothing ever seems to move anywhere at times in our lives. And so the other purpose of the Sabbath from God's perspective is we need to be connected to eternity. To be reminded that our work is not meaningless, that our work is not pointless, that what we do by painting and singing and dancing and praising Jesus matters. And when it comes to that, I love Paul's words to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because that you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so what Paul is saying to the Galatians and to us is that there are these certain ways that the world just works. And God's not giving us rules to make us miserable, to be onerous and say the only way you can have freedom is if you do X, Y, and Z. He's saying that this is how your body works. This is how your life works. And if you break these rules, you're going to put yourself back into slavery. And so these things are not for 
our punishment, but rather for our joy and for our benefit. And the other thing that he's kind of saying this, a lot of religions talk about this, that at the end of time, there's going to be these two scales. One scale of all the bad things you've ever done and one scale of all the good things you've ever done. And at the end of time, you know, whatever is more is going to weigh out. And what Paul's saying is that judgment is actually organic in your life. Whatever you're doing, that's what's going to happen to you. And you're going to see the fruits of your labor. We continue on, verses 9 through 10. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the household of faith. So here's the question. This whole thing has been about being set free from slavery about not being captured again by our sinful flesh. Who is it in the book of Galatians that is living according to the flesh? It's Peter. It's Peter and these Judaizers, and and they're the ones that are tempting the Galatians to fall back into working for the flesh. These are rule keepers, uh, the problem, it, what Jesus is saying, or what, what Paul is saying to us, is the problem is not the rules. It's, it's our hearts. It's our pride and our fear because our tendency as people is to separate ourselves. To separate ourselves by race or gender, ethnicity, religion, or rules and say, well, you're like this and you're like this and you're not like me. And that's exactly what Peter was doing and that's what these Judaizers were doing. They're saying, you've got to keep all the rules. And so Paul says, we need to do good. Do good to those people that God has placed in our lives. And what he's talking about there is that we as people are to live by the gospel. Because the normal way in life is that we treat people how they treat us, right? If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. And so what Paul is saying, no, don't do that. Don't live like everybody else. Be good to all people. And ultimately what he's talking about is doing the ultimate good. The ultimate good that that Peter is done by Paul when Paul takes and restores him gently to the gospel. Because what has to happen is something has to happen with our hearts to set us free from either breaking the rules or following the rules. And so Paul reminds Peter of the gospel, of Jesus' death on the cross for him, because only the cross can crush our pride, can say to us, you cannot earn your way to heaven, you cannot earn your way into God's grace. At the same time says to us, you are so loved by God that you don't have anything to fear. And this freedom's call comes to all people. Peter needed to hear it again. The Galatians needed to hear it again. We need to hear it again. You see, this letter is about restoring Peter and restoring the Galatians, restoring us. 
what Paul is saying here is at times in our lives, bad things happen to us because we've made bad choices. God is not punishing us. Rather, he wants us to be free. He wants us to be free, and so he sent his son Jesus, and all of our punishment, everything that we deserve, got poured onto Jesus. And so that when we face the bad things in our lives that come because of our poor choices, we have a God who can take those worst things in our lives and make them the best things. And all we have to do to see that we have a God that can do that is look at the cross. And he adds this weird thing at the end where he says, do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. Now, why would Paul say that? We all know that, right? We should love our families. We should love our friends. We should love the people that are close to us. But what happens? At times, we give all of our lives to our work, to our career, uh, to other things. And our worst and our last and our leftovers to those who need us most. As I think about being a pastor here and what a wonderful privilege it is to serve here and to love all you people, the worst thing that could happen is I would give myself to that to a degree that it would cause Bree or Elise or Lindsay, if you don't know, those are my daughters and my wife, <laughs> to lose faith, to lose heart, and to fall away from the gospel. And so Paul says to us, you need to love those people that are closest to you. They need to have good done to them as well. You need to give them what they need. And most of all, God's grace and his goodness in Jesus. And Paul closes out with these words. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision, read rules, nor uncircumcision, breaking the rules, means anything. What counts is the new creation. Being made new in Jesus. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. What Peter needed, what the Galatians needed, what you and I need is someone like Paul who comes into our lives and says to us, it's all about Jesus. That's what Paul's saying, may I never boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we live by the Spirit. Constantly looking to that cross that can crush our pride, that can set us free from our fear. And looking to that cross that reminds us of our baptism, that in the water we were made a new creation. We have a new identity that we're set free. Amen.